Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. everybody welcome to a uh, new year's 2020 day uh, version of bill Rodon's was happy new year's everybody this is very I'm happy to be here 2020 uh here with uh in uh, manhattan uh with uh our trio my great co-host jamal murphy great jamal murphy murph happy new year happy new year it's uh january 2nd so the day after new year's we're we're working already you know, never stops. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, you were working know. New Year's, right? You were at St. John. New Year's Eve. New, New Year's, Year's Eve. Eve. Yeah. So that's dedicated. And then to, <laughs> my, to my left, the great Erin Matthewson, sitting in from start to finish now. She just doesn't, you know, she's, we're going to work her into the 2020. We're going to work her in. She's going to be sort of a permanent presence here. So, Erin, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, so, what did you do New Year? <laughs> Um, I watched those like end of the end of the year review shows, all the the social trends and stuff that were hot, and then I went dancing. Oh, dancing! Like wow. Yeah, all right. There's nice. a burlesque show in um in Harlem, so that was. Oh wow! Yeah. I saw you sent a picture. Yes, with you and your significant other looking uh-huh. very spiffy. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know you were at a burlesque. I mean, we found out like an hour before we went, so it was nice. fun. That was good. Yeah, yeah it was that's super a, that's chill. That's a fun way to bring. I was uh, driving around one of our. Roden Fellows. <laughs> really? <laughs> How was that? That's what you were doing New Year's Eve? So. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. <laughs> I did go to Harlem Hops. Okay. Early on, like uh, like eight or nine. You were working too on New Year's Eve. Oh, because I was, that's right. I was in Baltimore. Uh, you know, I'm working on this piece with the Undefeated, this column. And, uh, you know, the way it is, I was talking to Monique. Jones, who's our managing editor of The Undefeated, and I laid out the story about, I'm going to do this, 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 I'm going to interview this person, and the Ravens, all the people I need to be interviewed are going to be interviewed Thursday, so I'm going to go down there, blah, 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 so of course, then I looked at the schedule, they changed the schedule, everybody was going to be available New Year's Eve, like Tuesday, I'm like, wow, and then of course, well, you know, it'd be great if if uh, these guys would call me, they said, Bill, you got to be kidding us, you know. I mean, they get tons of requests. Right. These are some of the hottest coaches, Greg Roman, you know. So I'm like, wow. And this is sort of like journalism a lesson. I said, well, you got to do it, you know. You got to go down there in Baltimore because you need the quotes. You got to get them. That's what you did the same thing, Jamal. You, right. you were working as a story for the undefeated, right? Right. Kyle, yeah. Big East story. Uh, and it just so happened, St. John's playing Butler New Year's Eve. I'd see, I'd seen that game on the calendar. I was like, I'm skipping that, like a few days <laughs> early. But then, you know, once the story came, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I, I learned that from the legend, Bill Roden. Yes. Mm, you know? You gotta, you gotta, but yeah, Don't I mean, phone it in. You got to go. Yeah, it's holidays. You know? And then, you know, like you did, you know, you do your work and then you go dancing right. after you're done. Or you right. go New Year's. Yeah. After you're done. Got yeah. my quotes. Get up out of there. Exactly. New Year's Eve. I'm I got what I got. What I got. <laughs> and then, like you said, you know, the right people won. Right. Because, you know, that's another thing, that, right. a dirty secret. <laughs> like, you're, go, you're, you're going in there for a particular story. Right. And you're saying, well, if this particular T coach loses, he's probably not going to really want to talk to me 
about a story that had nothing to do with the game. With the right, game, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was hoping. Uh, yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I was hoping that St. John's kept it close, right. so their coach would be happy, and you know, Butler maybe squeak out a victory, so their coach would be happy, <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. So yeah, that's how the know, we all win. Yeah, I mean, you were impressed by as well, you know. I mean, you know, because you know, if you're doing these kind of pieces, and pe- when people win, they're right. usually in good moods, right? And when they lose, I remember during the uh, uh, World Series, uh, I was doing some story of blacks and something, and it was Houston and the Yankees, Houston and the Yankees, and I was trying to talk to who's the one black guy who plays for Houston, I forget his name, um, but uh, they lost, right? And man, it was just like he was terrible. <laughs> it was like you know. He gave me a couple. He said, "Man, you know, he's like, what are you talking about? This is the last place I want to even be, and with you, right? You know, but if they would have won, it's all good. It would have been all good. That's the way it is. You know. So anyway, Uh, but um, well, can I just can I just throw this in there that um, I was promoting uh, the undefeated listed its first ever top ten best black podcast, and Rose Pod made it on the list. Yes, now that was your story. We we cheat we cheated we had a little cheat code right there but you know but it was vetted I you know but what where were we how high were we oh it wasn't ranked like that it was just but was no it, where were we in there <laughs> <laughs> so what were your what were your top podcasts now um, what was the name of the story where can people read it yes uh, you can find the story on theundefeated.com. it's called ten podcasts we loved from 2019 um, and they're all podcasts that highlight black people and culture and some of them have to do with sports some of them don't. Um, could, you, could you take us down? What, what were they? Oh, sure. Now, just so you know, it's hard to rank them because they're all different. Like, some right. of them are audio documentaries. Some of them are debate shows, discussion, commentary. Um, so there was 1619 from the New York Times talking mm-hmm. about Hannah Nicole Jones. Sorry, Nicole Hannah Jones, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, Who was a guest on the show. Guest on, exactly. Guest on this show. On no, the Rodenfels podcast. On the Rodenfels podcast. Um, talking about the 400th anniversary of slaves coming to the U.S. Um, the Read. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, Kid Fury and Crystal West talking about pop culture. It's hilarious. I highly recommend it. Have you listened? I may have listened to, you know, here or there. I know I've heard of the podcast for sure. Bill, when you're driving, I recommend just Really? It's yeah, called The Read. The Read. Because um, they're, reading, they're reading into pop culture and what's going on. Um, then there oh, is this the, the male and the female? Yes. yes. Two black people, right, who are, yes. think she's gay, they're both gay. They are both gay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they they had done, yeah, because they, they're making it to a TV. They're yes, doing TV, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's a, they're. Which, it, by the way, we should be doing that too. We should. Uh, I got a, a video camera for Christmas. Oh, okay. I got a uh, camcorder for Christmas, a Sony camcorder. You can put it right up on that. Uh, yeah. On the wall. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Or get somebody to hold it. How about well, that? Well, we can, yeah. we got a tripod. Okay. And we could just film us and. Uh, Anyway, but so uh, what were the other ones? Um, the, the Nod, which is more audio documentary. Um, it's also a black man and a black woman. They're mm-hmm. friends from college. Just talking about everything from, you know, why black people don't want to go to therapy, like, you know, resist therapy mm-hmm. to uh, why The Watchmen is is a great look at racial racial injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they just cover it. Why, and the cha-cha slide, how that became a big, a really popular dance in the black community. So it's, <laughs> it's like, it's all over the place. And it's really fun. Oh, okay, and that's called? The Nod. The Nod, okay. Uh, Bro's Pod, of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. What is that about? Well, yeah, what do they talk about? Yeah, there? What do they talk I about? I don't really there? know. Um, <laughs> 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 no, 
actually, I think you guys are great because, or we are great because we talk about, we, we don't just do X's and O's. We're talking about race, sports, and power. Right. And that all comes together. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's The Right Time with Bamani Jones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, he admits that he, he kind of modeled his show after to- the Tom Joyner show, who just retired recently. Because, oh. he, you know, he definitely wants to um, honor his black audience, but he wants to make sure he's accessible to diverse audiences as well. Um, but he, so he does sports and a little bit of pop culture as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, who else? Oh, Jamel Hill is Unbothered. Mm-hmm. Oh, so she's okay. basically using that show to show that she is more than a sports anchor. She can talk about sports and politics, movies. She's had Spike on there, oh, wow. Martellus Bennett, Kamala mm. Harris, oh, wow. Stacey oh, Abrams. Harris. Yeah. Wow, that's A list. Yeah. And it's just one on ones with her. And then at the end of the show, she tells you something that bothers her. Ah, so yeah, okay, cool. I like that. I listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, was that, is that, I'm trying to think. There's a couple more making Beyonce. Oh, yeah. So W-E-B-Z, W-B-E-Z in Chicago has a series called Making. And it, every season they highlight a cultural icon. It's been Oprah, President Obama. This season it was Beyonce. Wow. So it's three episodes all about her from like when she was seven up until their first hit with Destiny's Child. Wow. So you get you hear all this. It's a lot of interviews with um, the father, Mike, uh, Michael Knowles, mm-hmm. um, and then you know you hear Beyonce and Kelly and Latavia and everybody. It's did they get Beyonce? Or did they interview her? Uh they did not interview. It, I, they just have archival. I think if they got the guy, the father, they ain't getting her. Yeah, they did a little bit. Of she's, she's tough. She's tough. She's to tough. Get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Juan Epp is another one. Juan Epp. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have listened to that. I I've, I've I listened to it not recently, but I used to. What's listen it called? To it. Juan Epp. What's up? What's up? Isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> it is the one. Well, Juan Epp is used. It used to be called Juan Epstein, which mm. was named after the character in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter, mm. the G- Puerto Rican Jew. Uh, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, ESPN Family, and Saifa Sounds, and they pretty much just talk about how Jay Z became Jay Z. It's kind of like making Jay Z, mm. but well, this season. This yeah, season, yeah, hip hop podcast, yeah, right. So not mm-hmm. every season, just this season they talked about, and it's really good. They have Jay Z's mentor, um, Big Daddy Kane. They have lots of different DJs, radio personalities. Hmm. I, I learned a lot. And then last, Slow Burn. Ah, have you guys listened to that? No. It's all about this. So Slow Burn, similar to One Up. We li- we just listen to Bros Pod. Okay. Yeah, right, right, right. We're very single minded. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. But this is this is good. Yeah. No, Slow Burn is all about also Joel Anderson, who used to work for ESPN. He's now with Slate, and he hosts a show about uh, Biggie and Tupac and the murders that were never solved. Mm -hmm. And he really goes into the music, how the two guys were friends and became rivals, and just kind of really looking at, like, the 90s hip-hop scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And he really sets the stage for what was going on. I got to check that out. It's pretty good. Can you imagine, I mean, not wanting to get anybody in trouble, but you think how those two giants were set up to kill each other. You talk about black-on-black crime, and maybe it was orders came from a higher level, like a mob or something. But basically, what's the best way to take these two black giants out and have, we'll let them do it, and who benefits? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's people who are that Afro... You know, I guess it's the same thing you get to Malcolm or any black people killing another black person who's a threat to the white structure. Right. The white power structure. And I guess maybe you just don't, either you're not Afrocentric enough or you don't really care. You're just carrying out the, you know, you don't care about this kind of stuff. But it's amazing when you look at 
Biggie and Tupac and what they could have become. Right, had, they both died in their 20s. Together. So in young. their 20s. That's a, you know, you can go back to like the Black Panthers, same thing, guy, you know, guys dying so young, like leaders, like real leaders right. dying so young. And it's interesting, you know, there was a there was a, a great documentary. I think it was Biggie and Tupac or Tupac. I think it was Biggie and Tupac. A uh, British guy did the documentary, but it was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. He also did mm. Kurt Cobain story oh. or something. Mm. But, um, you know, in that documentary, they talk about when Biggie was shot, the FBI had been tracking him. Mm. You know, they they knew where he was. and all. So both those guys, at least certainly Biggie, and I'm sure Tupac also, the FBI was tracking these guys and knew where they were. And, you know. I think, I think, I think <clears throat> Tupac's aunt. Was a, a, a black panther, yeah, right? Well, was a sign of Shakur, right? You know, so you know, I don't know if you've seen this documentary, Sam Cooke. Uh, check out the Sam Cooke doc on Netflix. Very, mm. oh, I heard about that. Deep because the whole thing, you know, back in the day was, oh yeah, he got shot. He was in this motel with some that didn't happen. Black woman, she did, but as a term, I mean, the, the, this part of the theory was that that was a hit. It was like a sort of a mm. mob hit because. Cook was trying to become independent. He was becoming more Afrocentric, you know, you know, natural hair and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And again, with us, any any time black folks decide whether it's Kaepernick right. or Sam Cook or Tupac or whatever, and you're doing something to basically enrich black people, you know, and I mm-hmm. suspect the same thing would happen to five black all American high school Americans who decided to go to a black college mm-hmm. and who who shunned the power structure, and went there, I'm, I'm sure that the power structure is such that if anything you do to upset the white so the white supremacist power structure, which determines which black folks get what crumbs, you know, and if you kind of go outside of that and you kind of bump up against that, you know, then, you know, there's deep yeah. consequences, you know, and, uh, you know, so, so anyway... Um, uh, on, on another note, <laughs> this is 20, 2020. Right. Which, but you know what? 2020 means what? And, and, and I, in, in a in clear a, vision. It means 2020 means 2020 eyesight. Right. Which means clear vision. So maybe 2020 for black folks in particular, and for a lot of people, right. is like a, a 2020 vision of seeing things a lot clearer. Right. You know, a lot clearer and then taking some type of planned action. And to me, for black people, 2020, for black people who love black people and love for us to be here for another 500 years, that clarity is how do we work together? Right. How do we put the clarity is just like with Tupac and whatever. You can't have that. Right. You can't, we can't have us taking each other out. Right. You can't have LeBron versus so-and-so. Right. Or at any... Jay-Z versus Jay-Z Kaepernick. Jay-Z versus Kaepernick or uh, Eric Dyson, Michael right. Eric Dyson. Right. Versus whatever, or versus Cornell West, right? And right. or Tanahasi versus Cornell, yeah, Cor- Tanahasi right. versus Cornell. I mean, it's 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 kind of like you know, in, in Invisible Man, you know, where you have a scene where you've got all the the black kids blindfolded on the electric mat. They're on this electric mat, and you got these white people, and, and it, the the scene is that these these young black kids are all blindfolded, one arm tied, and and at the, they swing at each other. And, and these, the white guys, you know, in this arena are throwing coins on this electrified mat. Mm-hmm. And these black guys, like, diving for the coins. But then 
they're they getting shocked and all that stuff, and they're swinging at each other and all that, you know. And it, you know, we have to stop doing that, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to do that because you don't know who's who and who's being put against who and who's getting paid and right. who's getting paid to be disruptive and who, you know. But to the extent that you are not on somebody's payroll, right? As black folks, you know, we stop that thing of me versus you, and I'm jealous of you because the white man is. Like the last poet said, you know, you pissed off because a white man ain't re- responding to you like he responded to Malcolm. What's the line between, uh, you know, disagreeing and and pitting, you know, be, you know, letting people pit us against each other? Like, you you know, I mean, you st- you still should be allowed to to disagree with what another right. person is doing mm-hmm. and state that, right? Right. Or no. Right. But yeah. but under what f- the, our problem our problem is that the format. When it becomes, as soon as it becomes public, I don't know if there's these, you know, I, I'm sure like the black million, multimillionaires have their little private sessions, <laughs> you know, where they go yes. to the villas or somewhere, you know. Right. But you, as you got the, you know, you know, economic, poor people, you know, I guess, I guess if you're a millionaire, anybody's poor. It's not, you know. So I don't know, but to answer your question, I'm not sure what that, that and I'm saying, I think black folks are just at a disadvantage in that, you know, we're always like out in the open. It'd be like in, in, in football, you go up to the line of scrimmage and you're calling your plays in public. Right. You know, you're calling your plays out and, and the other team knows your plays. Right. You know, so it would be that. Um, uh, we're supposed to be talking about David Stern. Right. right. That, that's, we're going to, you know, to, uh, David Stern passed away yesterday and, uh, you know, the NBA world is mourning and, uh, you know, wonder you know who who here has recollection. I've been, I did a video when I was at the Times with David Stern. Uh, he came up to my barber shop. Yeah, that was great. Cause I had some barber shop sessions. Uh, LeBron. Yeah, I mean you can check that out on Twitter now on uh, at Bill's handle WC Roden at WC Roden. Uh, he posted that yesterday. Right. A must see video. Yeah. Cause it, you know, it 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 brings to light some of the. Issues that Stern was was dealing with mm-hmm. with the NBA and uh, dealing with a league what eighty percent black, mm-hmm. but also show on the other side it showed his humanity and uh, ability to to talk to all kinds of people and, and interact yeah, and have fun. Yeah, that showed me a lot about. I mean, we always had a a decent relationship. I mean, he's mm-hmm. always alpha. I mean, once. He was kind of screamed at me about something. Apparently, he <laughs> did that to quite a few well, people. Well, he does that to a yeah, lot that was of his, people. That was his thing. He just was screaming. I only got that once. Right. I was like, David, <laughs> you were supposed to be this nice, you know, affable uncle guy. Right. You know, and but you, that show. I well, saw you don't remember thing. what it was about? We were. It was. It was at the All Star game, uh-huh. and it was something. And his anger and the way he came at me was like based on something you had written. I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's an argument. He's, I was, I was like, damn, I'd never seen. That side, and that said something to him that was kind of smart, you know, like something like, well, you know, you ought to think about it next time you say. But that was the first and last time that, you know, you know, but I said, wow, you see, you saw that, that side, I'm sure the negotiating side. Right. And, you know, he'd been, he'd been the, he was basically the emperor. Right. And I think that's what happened when people are in one position for 30 something years. Uh, but you know, I mean, the, the, on the he had so many pluses in terms of him succeeding, Walter Kennedy. Now, now Oscar Robertson. In fact, we need, we should have got Oscar on the line. He always thought that David Stern had a vendetta against him hmm. because 
David Stern was the attorney. When Oscar, when Oscar sued the NBA, David Stern represented the league against Oscar. Right. I think Proskauer. He, he Something. Yeah, Proskauer. yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And, why did, exactly. and why did he sue the league? Oscar, well, Oscar sued the league for free agency, basically. I mean, basically, he came a year after Kurt Flood. He sued the league for free agency. Uh, and uh, Stern, and, and Oscar contends that, you know, things were tough for him, you know, in the NBA after that. Hmm. And he never, he's okay with Stern, but right. they weren't going out to dinner. Right. You know, things like that. But I mean, at a time like this, you know, you mourn and you appreciate you know what you know what he did. I mean, what do you what do, what do you what do you guys have thoughts about? I mean, like you said, thirty years as commissioner. So he he basically, you know, took the league. I mean, took with help, but he, you know he was at the helm of the league from those. I forget what year he actually took over, but it was late seventies, early eighties, eighties, early eighties, yeah. at a time when yeah, the time when the NBA wasn't. You know, it wasn't a glamorous league at all. Um, it was tape delay. Still, I think the finals were still, you know, on tape mm-hmm. delay. Um, and then to, you know, go through the go through the eighties and the nineties to where the the league became, you know, a juggernaut. I guess the second most popular league in the well in the in the country at least. Right. right um, yeah, and then you know, you have the Michael Jordan era, which you know he helped promote Michael Jordan as the face of the league. Black guy. Right. You know, what I mean, and like a a brown-skinned black person. Right. You know, but to do that, it was very, I mean, because Jordan was selling everything. Right. But to get people to see past him being a black man. Well, here's a, here's, here's a narrative that's that's weird to me, and I don't know really how to feel about it when I hear it, is, you know, kind of what I said, the, you know, when he when he took over in the, in the early 80s, what you're reading now is, and, you know, this is, this has been said over and over, but at the time it was the league was too black, and they they were saying that yeah, everybody troubling. everybody was on drugs, and you know everybody was sniffing coke and all this kind of stuff. In the eighties, there were fights, all these fights, these black guys throwing punches, that kind of thing. So, I mean, was that you know? I, I feel like it's kind, of, and it's almost like he was the savior, the white savior. Then it's, to then bring it was bird. I mean, it's a very convenient narrative, right? And the fact that. I remember that. Yeah, there were a lot of brothers playing, but I think from white society, anytime you got a lot of black people, it becomes less than. Right. It becomes less valuable. Right. You know, so can I listen to this nonsense today? In fact, Reggie Theus was on Talk Somewhere, and he was kind of going down that road a little bit. I was like, no, man, it was because white people typically devalue black people. Right. So the fact that it was a black league, so hence it must be criminal. And it must be drugs. And it must be drugs. Were there probably a couple guys doing drugs? Yeah. You mean they weren't doing drugs in hockey? They right. weren't doing drugs in baseball? Baseball, for sure. Come right. on. Give me a break. Right. But to, to buy into that narrative, and then here comes, you know, the great white fathers. Right. To save the league and to wipe out. Stop doing those drugs. Stop right now. <laughs> and, you know? and, and dress up in a suit. Yeah, yeah. Right. Wear a suit. And t- but, but again, in the, in the video you saw, I asked Stern, you know, Humorously, well, right. not, well, it wasn't that huge, but I said, who are we trying to cater to? Right. And, you know, well, the majority of the people in the stands are white, you know, but there are a lot of black folks watching it, too. So you're trying to, who are you trying to, you know, dress up the, you know, like dress up the, the, the dancing bears, you know? Like, that's what black guy, the, 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 you know, he was Michael. So, okay, Michael, but don't do anything to draw attention to your blackness. Right. Okay, just 
be there like you'll step and fetch it or, you know, all these play a role that's familiar to our to our white patrons. Right. Don't threaten them. You know, none of this just kind of, you know, don't take a side. You know, when Jesse Helms was, he just going to go cut it right down the middle, you know, and it worked for a while. But you're right now. I'm glad you mentioned that, Jamal. That, that, that's the narrative. When he took over, it was like this dark, literally dark league right. in a dungeon and everybody's wearing sunglasses and <laughs> nodding on the bench. And, right. Can, can I ask? I w- you know, I wasn't, I got to start watching the NBA pretty late in the game. Like, how accurate is that? I mean, well, uh, think about it, Aaron. I mean, I think uh, no, it no, no, I, like I mean, yes, no, think when you say how accurate. Think if the, if everybody was on drugs, there couldn't be a league. I mean, right. if if True. everybody was like on heroin, <laughs> <laughs> which coke, is the way that's played, yeah, coked out of their mind, like, and they and they just show the fights, the brawls. Yeah, I mean, mm. so every night, right. There was like switchblades. Every night there was like a, a, a gun battle right. on the court. And don't get it twisted. I mean, I grew up watching the NBA in the in the late '80s, early '90s with Barkley and them. There were some serious fights then during Stern's tenure. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's not like it is now, where like you can't come off the bench. Right. You know, it was like a it was like a progression. Um, and that, that's an interesting thing about Stern, the Stern era too, is, I mean, he was you know a great businessman for sure. Uh, a lot of a lot of you know dream, the dream team was in his era. Right. He you know right. he helped uh, create that Jordan we talked about, um, Magic and Bird, uh, Magic Johnson HIV yeah. uh, positive, um, Magic I saw recently uh, credited Stern with allowing him to come back in the league and changing the way people thought about the HIV virus because at the time when Magic first came down with uh, HIV That's nobody right. wanted to play. I wanted to be on the same court. They didn't want to touch him. Right. You know, so was, I remember exactly where I was. I was in high school at the time, when I, and I was, like, the biggest Magic Johnson fan. He was my, he was my all-time favorite player. And I, I remember, like, you know, I had practice or something. Practice was over, and hearing that Magic Johnson had HIV and was never – it was retiring. It was just mm. crazy. I was like, wow. Mm. You know? Now, now you're – Jamal, the other Jamal – Said that you guys were like, why? Well, I think Jamal must have been like a star at Poly because he said you guys. He said you were like his arch rival. You guys were big rivals. And when did he? Where did he, where did he go? Collegiate. Yeah, he said collegiate, and uh, you were at Trinity. And he goes, yeah, I mean, Jamal is like my biggest rival. So yeah. wait a minute, we we met to bring out some film, <laughs> some film on Jamal. Yeah. He was like, those, he was like, like this, like bird and magic. Those, those were my those were my glory. Well, my real glory days were like even before that. Like I was, you know, I was supposed to be. Oh, you've been a star for a long. Yeah, guy. yeah. I was a star. I was a star <laughs> in elementary. I had, people had high hopes, but uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't put the time in in high school like I should have. But I was, you know, I was a good player for high school. I was always the best player on my team in high school. Because you went, you went about Marbury too. Did you play against? Marbury? Yeah, I played against Marbury. Yeah. Wow. See. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I was gonna say back to your point about Robert Oscar and free agency. It sounds like. Um, uh, Stern changed his tune because I guess you know Mark Spears of the Undefeated interviewed him a couple times and he's he says that free the free agent movement has ter- made big big bucks for the NBA because it puts us on the calendar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, free agents, has been, but that's what I'm saying. Free agents has been great, but you fought people tooth and nail. Right. The owners fought people tooth and nail to keep the captives captive, and now you turn once you set them free. Oh, isn't this, isn't this remarkable? You know, we can get you know we we can get enriched and. It's every it's good. Same thing with baseball with, with Kurt Flood. People are still kind of years later, sixty nine. But then they find out, wow, this is kind of, you know, kind of good for the game. You know, so it's one of those things. But um, there's this thing about 
you know, you, you know, and this narrative also, that you know, like the thing with Sterling, right? You know, Donald Sterling, you know, who was he? He just didn't get to be a racist. He was doing his racist stuff for a long time, and the NBA oh, was doing the business with him. Right. The right. Yeah, they were doing business with him, and then right. when the stuff kind of blew up, right. Adam was, and then they kind of had to, you know, retroactively get rid of him. And I used to think that with that, they acted like, well, it was the players who got rid. Of, well, you guys wanted to get rid of him too. Because at that point it was so ugly. So right. this is a guy who, all right, let's let's get rid of him too. You know, it wasn't like somebody you did not want to get rid of, or you could not get rid of. You know, but um, and then the, the other thing too, I was always had a little problem. At the league is you know has become this eighty almost eighty percent players of either African American, and the way you know David was you know David. Got the job from David, I think Larry uh, Kennedy. I got I should know this. Then he handed the job to Adam Silver. Right. But there was a guy named Simon Simon Gordine, mm-hmm. who at some point was in line to be the commissioner. If you look up Cy Gordine, Simon Gordine, G O U R D I M B, there was a point where people thought that Gordine was going to be the first black commissioner, mm. but that didn't happen. I think it was Stern who became the commissioner. Hmm. And then Stern kind of gave it to Adam so, Silver. And I'm like, and then again, there's something else that Reggie Theus was saying today on this program. He said, well, maybe during that time, maybe they didn't need to have a black commissioner. I mean, maybe it wasn't time. And I said, well, you know, it, it's never time. Right. It's never and time. It's never time. When is a good time? When is a good time? Well, with co- yeah. pro, uh, Kaepernick and protest. When is a good time? Yeah. You know, and it's not. And then it's, I think one of the things Reggie was saying, well, you know, God has a plan. Well, yeah, but tell Sojourner Truth. I know there was uh, right. Frederick. There were people out there not waiting for the Supreme being to make. You know, the Supreme. I guess God said, "You make a way." Right. You make a way, and we'll back you up. But you just can't kind of lay back. People have to push and push and protest and sometimes die and all that. It's not like this whole thing. Well, you know, we'll just kind of wait to see if the heavens open. Heavens just don't open. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that, yeah. And so now you know the league is eighty percent black. But what does that mean? But what, what I mean, what does it really mean? Just that the, it's the just a 80%, number. Yeah, it's eighty percent. But, but if you only have uh, what three black team presidents, two or three, two or three, two, uh, I think. Uh, uh, Mills and uh, Mills, Masai, Masai, mm-hmm. two. Well, Stern told Spears he he's very proud of how many millionaire or yeah millionaires the NBA has. Yeah, but but wealth clearly does not mean power. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, we can make you a millionaire, but you ain't getting no power. And so you got all these millionaires hopping around with two t- black team presidents. And right. that becomes the real power. And that, and we're not even talking about behind the scenes right. of security and event. Ma- I mean, the whole, th- even in the NBA office. I don't know how many, if you go to the, if you go to the, uh, uh, the legal division. No. How many in the legal division? How many black attorneys work in the NBA? I mean, to walk up and down the NBA office, yeah. and so does 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 what you see there uh, uh, approximate what you see on the court? Right. You know, and then go heaven forbid, team by team. You know, PR directors. I mean, just so I get it, but you know, there's a ways to go, and you know, the question to the brothers, you know, out there. I mean, I. 
it's okay to be wearing T-shirts. I can't do it, but deal with your own industry. Why don't we just why don't we just desegregate your industry? Right. It's nice to be talking about I can't breathe out of it, but fuck that. I mean, why? Right. Let, let's let's get a black PR director. Let's integrate the front office right. at each of your spots. Right. In a in a in an eighty percent, you know, eighty percent of the the labor force, but not just the labor force. Eighty percent of the recognizable people, the people that that create the revenue in the game that, you know, so you ha- you should have some sort of power. Um, and that's where, that's where you're, what you're saying is that you need to use that, use the power that you really have and don't realize it. Use that to create some change in your industry. And right. I mean, you mentioned uh, the legal industry. I mean, please. I mean, the, the legal industry in general right. is probably the, the least segregated uh, industry there is I mean, so integrate. the, integrate. I mean, yeah. the least the least integrated right. industry there is. I mean, you look at any big firm. We talked yeah. about Stern came from Proskauer. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's still most of those big corporate firms have like the number of black or or partners of color that they have. You can count on one hand. Mm. Okay, and right. they have hundreds and hundreds and thousands of lawyers. Of uh, you know, starting in the '60s and '70s, and they and you can count. The number of of black people, black people who who have become partners, or the even just associates. Right. It's so rare. You walk into a big law firm, it's so rare to see uh, black faces. So the legal industry is not the industry to, to and, try and to copy. And you could probably go to real estate. Right. You could probably go to probably almost every single industry. And then if you are a black person, and all of us have to look at our our who 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 do we do business with? Right. If I've got a literary agent. And I look around and say, when's the last time you hired a black person? Or, you know, any, I mean, all of us have to do, I, I guess in 2020, mm-hmm. we have to do some soul searching. Right. You know, some soul searching about who are we doing business with and are the people we're doing business with, are they helping our community? Right. right. Now, you may just say if you're a black millionaire, so well, my, my community is mostly white people now. Right. You know, and I, I mean, but that's the difference with the with the NBA mm. and the NFL, for instance. I mean, you have guys who are the faces of the league, and and there's power that comes with that, and right. and money that comes with that. So unlike these other industries, you know, you you have the the stature and power to to make s- at least some small changes within the industry well, that other that other industries can't. Question can't for the do. two of you. So we had was it uh, Michael Jordan? He had a front office position for a very a little while. Magic Johnson. What and then they both left. Um well, Jordan owns a team. He owns a team, but he was he was kicked out of something. He was kicked out of the of the Washington um uh uh not the Bullets, but the uh Wizards. Mm-hmm. When Abe Poland said, I don't want you to be a partner. Well I'm just wondering what do you think is I mean, I know there's only there's only two people, but what do you think are the lessons for players who would come if you were going to be a player, retire and come back and be in the front office? What, like, what are the lessons learned from those two guys? That that you know, it, it's a good, it's a good question. Uh, you know, you, you've had this league has been seventy five, eighty percent black players for a long time. Right. Enough that you would have more than five black head coaches, or one. You know, and I think at some point. The owners of these teams, uh, anything, they're the ones who, like, pluck you off, identify you. And invariably, like, the white guys will be the ones who will be plucked off and then put through the right. Mitch Kupchak. And I can't think of other people. And I always wanted to do a chart of all the white executives who are former players. Mm. And then you Mm. look at the black guys 
who came in with them mm. and who's doing what and how did you ascend like that? You see it all the time. John Lynch in San Francisco. Right. You know, but you have these white owners, you know, who are, they're, you know. Elway. You know, Elway and mm. these guys. And, um, but that's a good question there. I mean, but I think it's, how do you do that? How, you know, like, like you know, you're, well, two things you wrote about, number one, WFAN. Right. Right, you tweeted mm-hmm. WFAN. Right. And how, and, and I wrote, wrote I, I was going to call up a column, I wrote back in like the 89 or some shit <laughs> right. about FAN. Right. So there's a full, the name of the column was the New York Times, a full court press that lacks, lacks color. Hmm. And that's what it was about. A press that lacks color. And FAN, is that, nobody, is that what Imus went at you? I don't think I, I don't know if I even existed there. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, with, we're going, or whatever, we're, we're on a tangent. We're going to well, stay that, on that's tangent. That's what Eric said. What did they talk about? Whatever. Everywhere. But, uh, <laughs> no, one of the things when, when you know, another person who, who passed recently was Don Imus. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, the, the legendary uh, yeah. uh, radio uh, shock jock or whatever. Right. Um, and one of the things they we were bringing up was what he said about uh, Eiffel. Gwen Eiffel, that she was a... Uh, oh, uh, oh, that's right. Right, he said something, he, he called her a like a, a maid or something. A maid, he called me, I think he called me a... Uh, right, and then he called minority, you a, a, quota a quota hire. hire. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember, I remember now that you mentioned it. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I didn't remember, sorry to bring that up. <laughs> He's like, I tried no, but to forget. I was like, because I never knew that. Let me tell you a funny story. Wow. You never knew that I was a quota hire? No, you never knew that? Well, I knew that you were a quota hire. I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was clear on that. Sometimes, sometimes they get lucky with those. But... Uh, <laughs> But <laughs> the no, what's, what's interesting about Don Imus is that you know, and then he you know he finally got taken down with the with the Rutgers situation right. when right. He, when I don't think he's someone one of the people in his in you know called them nappy headed hoes and right. and he laughed but that was what his show was about it was about that and I when I was growing when I was in high school I used to listen to Don Imus because mm-hmm. I used to listen to FAN all the time and I used to listen to Don Imus and he I used to he used to crack me up it was yeah. funny he w- and he was racist but he was racist it was like n- nobody was spared <laughs> right. you know, Italians right. whatever whatever like he was racist again. he had skits racist Mexicans everything <laughs> wow and, and they were you know I used to t- they were you know they were I would listen to it sometimes I would tape the stuff. Um, <laughs> So, but I knew he was before you got a higher consciousness. Right, right. But but I knew, but you know, I knew it was racist, and I knew, you know, I knew but what it was I was funny. Yeah, it was funny. I had to. Listen, I would listen to I Miss in the morning. I listened to Howard right. Stern. But to me, right. that's what it was always like. Oh, you know, Howard Stern I now to Amos. me was worse. I always thought Howard Stern was like a was even more racist and like mm. me, more like mean spirited. Mm. Yeah, that's what a, that's mm. what how I because I, I I tried to listen mm. to Howard Stern and it was worse to me, and not and not as funny to me personally. And it's funny how now Howard Stern, you know, um, Imus dies and, and you have a bunch of people saying, you know, he was a racist guy and he shouldn't even be, shouldn't even mourn his death. But we have Howard Stern who's made himself mainstream. Yes. Um, he can yeah, have he presidential Robin, candidates. Black, black Robin, Robin Quivers. Yeah, I think that's what helped. Mm-hmm. That might have saved him for some reason. Right. You know, but it's just interesting to me that, you know, you're going so hard on one guy, and the other guy has become mainstream right. and is accepted. And the thing is, you couldn't have a black comic on radio no. like that. Mm. I mean, could you even imagine what what the biting humor, like a Richard Pryor or something like on right. just like going at you? You're not on radio, right. you know, right? Like on on anything. I mean, Richard Pryor did like the I think eight nine shows, and they're like, man, this has got to go, man. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Bill Roden on Sports podcast, 
Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by the one and only William C. Roden, an absolute must-read. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports for your free audiobook. Back to Stern. Yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things I was, I was trying to say before, but I got caught up in a tangent. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you know, the early, I guess the, I want to say, I, I forget what years, but I was, I was listening to uh, Kevin Garnett mm-hmm. um, recently. He was on, I think he was on Bill Simmons' podcast. And he was talking about, um, I guess he was talking about when Iverson came in the league, and, and it kind of changed, and and the tone of the league kind of changed. And I guess that's prior to like Malice, the Malice in the Palace, the fight. But it, you know, it went from Jordan, the Jordan era, which was people don't say anything, they button up, they were they were wearing suits. So in a way, uh, the NBA had kind of cleaned its image up, and then. You know, society turned, right? And all of a sudden, you had a guy like Iverson representing the culture coming in. Iverson, and not just Iverson, it was a bunch of guys right. like that. So, and all of a sudden, Stern ran into a sit. You know, he ran into a culture change, and he tried to address that. And that's when all the all the you know the dress code stuff came in. So that's when you know it was like, you know, the league was changing in ways he didn't want it to change. Right. And I'm sure he was probably scared. It was go, it was going back to, you know, the the you know the stereotypical way that they describe you know the early '80s and right. the, the drug use. Yeah, so everybody wears a suit. Right. But again, it's who are you trying to placate? Right. right. Well, he's a to me. I mean, it's you cannot deny that he that he did a great job business wise. Oh, he did a one. I mean, and that's what it was I about. I hope this wasn't construed like we're some. I, I mean. Know. This guy, I mean, David Stern will go down as probably one of the great, if not the greatest, commissioner in team sports. Certainly, you know, you know, he, his name will go down as one of the great commissioners of a team sport. Right. You know, um, and I think, and there should be no but. There's no but. Right. To that. And it's the to. I mean, if, I mean, if you have that job, it's the sport that matters. It's not. You don't care about people. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. Like you're you're worried about the the longevity of the sport. The you know, for the sport to prosper, and and the audience is mostly white. Yeah. Right. So that's well, what his well, focus was. Well, in stadium, was. in stadium, offices. I mean, audience is white. I think. But even percentage wise. Well, what, well what yeah, percentage okay, are yeah, we? yeah, percentage. You know? right, right, right. So like, so he's catering to that, and it, you know, for the most part, it worked. But I mean, obviously, when you do that, you are going to step on some things, and you know, you have to address those too. I mean, you were you were not. He was not. We already talked about. It, he's not the most sensitive person. Well, you know, he was. Dave was, was smart, and he would let you know right. that in this room, I'm the smartest guy. Right. You know, and there are a lot of people like that. Right. Who we know, but <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter. I mean, you either are, or you are. But no. Right. But he has a tremendous legacy, and I just just a human thing. I was just very sad. I mean, just the right. idea that, you know, he, you know, he's only 77. Right. He's pretty just young. Yeah, young, and you know, just. Just and he like had the that. brain hemorrhage what a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, a yeah. couple of weeks ago. And he's been in the hospital ever since. Yeah, right. And you, and you didn't hear anything. Right. I was worried when I. And heard when it first hemorrhage. happened, people people were basically, you know, you know, paying their respects at that point. That's mm-hmm. when you realized how serious it was. Yeah. Like this wasn't just you know a hospital stint. Yeah. People thought 
it sounded like people thought this this, this was going to be it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, you know, hearts go out to his family. I mean, I think we can never, uh, you know, just forget the whole human element of this. You know, his family, his right. you know, children, and right. you know, I'm sure, all, you know, grandchildren. And a, and a, a long legacy. It was you know, I'm writing that story on the Big East, mm-hmm. and I was trying to get in contact with uh, Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman. And she, you know, she she worked for Stern. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's out of, you know, she's she's out there, um, yeah. you know, taking well, his, his, you know. his service. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. He, you know, he he was. Um, I'm sure, there will be a lot of people there. Right. Probably Obama. I mean, right. If you love basketball, yeah. he, he gave it to you. Right. He created this league, and uh, and um, that's a tremendous legacy. I mean, if WNBA, they, they, don't forget the any WNBA. of us, mm-hmm. no matter what we do, would like to right. to leave, you know. So I think, I hope, that, I'm glad you brought back. I mean, I want to honor him. Right. I don't want to just dig in right. to this stuff. Like, you know, um, I mean, stuff we talked about is real. Right. Right. You know, but I, let's make no bones about it. That this guy, I mean, I was just saying, the fact that, um, you know, he came up to Harlem. Right. You know, I mean, I just remember, he just didn't even blink. Right. He said, "Oh yeah, because I think to him, oh yeah, I could do that. Right, and, I, and, I, I and, could go to the sure. I go and, to your barber shop right. and take you on. You know, and he wasn't faking. That's the no, thing that too. Was, that was, like that there was, was it was yeah. a funny part of the video where uh, you know a, a guy comes okay. in with the with the NBA logos right. on his shirt. Right, and he's and he like, just, oh, what he's like, is that all those lights? Is that a licensed shirt? And right. he goes, I checks, mean, his, without, checks the tag. Yeah, he looked, I mean, without missing the beat, because I remember that because the guy came in and we talked about something. He said, wait a minute, is that a like I mean, it was funny, right. but like he was like on business. Right. He said, "I don't care how small it is where we are. Is that an NBA right. license?" Yeah, where, then he looked at. It, he said, "Okay," uh, and then everybody kind of laughed, right? And all that, you know. I mean, but now, now we did have Goodell came to the barbershop, too, right? You know, um, and that was fun too. And I think with Goodell, he had fun, but it was different, mm-hmm. you know. And then he was talking about he. We actually talked about safety, but Goodell was. It was fun, right. and Jim Brown came to the barbershop, hmm. like very reverent. Hmm. I just laugh. I'm just saying we were doing the barbershop, right? You know, LeBron before, <laughs> and, and trust me, I, I probably stole from somebody too. I right, mean, right. You know, there's, there's no. Um, in the time we have left, uh-huh. uh, we've got uh, NFL playoffs coming out. Are you guys excited about the? Uh... <laughs> Are you guys excited about the NFL playoffs coming up? I, I am. I, I am. I'm excited. New blood. Uh, you know the year we've been talking about it all season. The year of the black QB, right? Um, kind of. You got two very good ones, uh, Lamar NFC, Jackson. We kind of uh, light uh, on the NFC side. Well, though. just well, just uh, Russell Wilson. He's got to carry. Don't count him out now. No, no, no you're going to be there, right? Yeah, I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I want you know from the undefeated standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, we need two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Well. That's a lot. You're putting a lot on Seattle uh, right there. A lot on Seattle, but that's, <laughs> he's been carrying the team all year. No, he has. They have no he line, has. you know, no line. Right. No, well, the defense is okay, but yeah. Marshawn, they're bringing back a 40 year old running back. Oh, boy. So, but Aaron, are you excited? I'm, like, about I'm liking their chances less the more you talk about it. I know. Well, <laughs> fortunately, they're playing Philly. Right. I, to me, it's the AFC. Folk, well, you know, the AFC. We had one black quarterback in. I mean, that's not new. Yeah, we've had Steve McNair. I mean, we've had black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. That's true. You've not had two. That's true. That's true. You know, so that to me is the the, the news item. Can we get two black quarterbacks in? You know, like, like we've been doing all night. We're cheering for the story. 
Right. 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 I, do I have anything against Philadelphia? No, but unfortunately, you're on the wrong side of my story. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just like, just like you know, you don't have, you don't have, you don't have anything against no, uh, not at all. Mike. Mike. Um, no, I love love Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson. One, one St. John's do really well. Right. You want to just come just <laughs> close enough. <laughs> That's my Other high questions. school coach. Yeah, not, oh, that's nothing. My high school coach. I went to Chicago a couple of weeks ago. Sherman Howard, who we had on our show. Right. Uh, Sherman Howard passed away uh, at the age of ninety-five. He was the oldest living um, former black NFL player, and he was the oldest living Cleveland Browns player. And wow. he passed away at ninety-five. He was my high school coach in Chicago, and I went back uh, and uh, spoke at. The, which is only. I don't know how many, how many times you, that's only the second person whose funeral I spoke at. Mm. It was a very, you know, the first one was Sam Lacey, who passed away. And I, it was a very kind of surreal thing, you know. Um, what else? Where was I going with that? I did want to, to you asked me, am I excited about the playoffs? Mm. I am. I feel, I'm actually very excited. This whole season has mm. been exciting. I feel like it's, I'm lucky to be alive at a time when it seems like, uh, the nature of the quarterback position is changing. Mm. And just to learn about the history of the quarterback and how black people, you couldn't even get there mm. and you had to go to the CFL to mm. be a quarterback. And now, you know, you have Lamar Jackson, who's, you know, he's not the first to to do what he's doing, but he's, he's people, he, the Ravens are um, designing their system around him, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious how it like, going forward, like, what is that going to do? I feel like you, there's a kind of like no turning back, like you guys said a couple shows ago. Right. We we hope. We hope. We hope that <laughs> yeah, you can always turn back. Yeah, you never. I, and then uh, another another story, which is interesting, um, I wanted to talk about was we I was we had Black Monday uh, recently yes. in the NFL, where the coach oh, yeah. you know coaches get fired. There were only three uh, black coaches coming into that. Um, yes. So this and you talk about. You know, moving forward, coming back, the the number of NFL head black head coaches has fluctuated. So when there's a you know there's a time a couple of years ago it was like seven, and you're like oh okay it's a, mm-hmm. it's a start, and then, then the, but then the next year there's three. Three. <laughs> and really, it should never be three, mm-hmm. right? right? Because you have we same thing with the NBA. I mean, whatever, seventy percent black. It should never just be three out of thirty two coaches because you know people talk about whatever pipeline. These coaches are coming from, they're all coming from the NFL pipeline. Right. Right. So if you have 70% exactly. of that, really the pipeline is 70% black. Right. So if you're only pulling out three coaches out of 32, right. the, you know. You would almost look at it, if that, if that would happen to be your alma mater right. or something, and, and, and out of all the graduates, like none of them could come back and teach at your school. <laughs> right. Or right. qualified enough to teach at your school. Right. You know, we got a problem here. Right. You know, right. and that's the same thing, you know, but... But the Arizona State Global Sport Education and Research Lab, mm. uh, they did you know, a whole study on black coaches, black uh, black head coaches in the NFL for the for the for the last decade, from 2010 to or 2009 to 2019, uh, and you know some interesting data came from that stuff that we I'm sure we we knew intuitively, but you know black coaches are hired at older ages than, than white coaches. Yeah. Um, black coaches have more significant and relevant playing experience. What we, we just talked about, there was an interesting stat. Um, there, are, there are 9% of the white, 9% of the white head coaches had no college or, mm. or pro- professional experience playing football. 
Really? Zero percent mm. of the black coaches. I mean, nine percent is mm. small, but it's just interesting the difference that there are some. If you are white, you have a chance right. uh, to get a job as a coach with with no college or pro experience, but black, you know, it's unheard but of. That's like yeah, it's like it's like you know they talk about in the workplace. We're not saying all white people get a get a clean shot to the top. It's like 50-50. Right. right. 50-50, which is pretty good, as right. opposed to like 20-80. Right. We're not we're not even asking for you know, the 70% players, we want 70% coaches. God right, damn. Right. Like which would right. be was there something, right. something wrong with that? No. Right. Well, yeah, we're talking yeah, but you know, we're we just about want like 40. 40 percent. <laughs> you know. You know? Yeah, so, I mean it's pretty but you know, the same thing, uh yeah, well, go ahead. You were you were Yeah, no, uh um, you just wrote about this. Yeah, wrote, I wrote yeah. about. Well, I wrote about uh, Brian Flores. Oh yeah, that coach, was a good a, story. Uh, coach good. of uh, the Miami Dolphins, um, and doing great things. I mean, they were supposed to completely tank this year. Um, when he took the job, they they got rid of their five best <laughs> best players right. on both sides of the ball. Um, so it was, if ever there was like a team that you thought might go zero and sixteen, it was the Dolphins. But it turns out. You know, he was too good of a coach for them and to he even take that happen. Yeah, and then so in so the last, so the last so after the story I wrote, he made me look great and, right. and beat the Patriots. Beat the Patriots. Yeah. So, so now it's so not me firing. <laughs> said, man, we were trying to tank, Ryan. <laughs> you <laughs> fired because you're too he good. Too good. <laughs> you're too good. You ruined the plan. Do you guys think but, uh, Eric the enemy? Uh, sorry. Do you think Eric the enemy is gonna? I hope so. Coaching? I mean, he, he deserves. He should. Yeah. If you were white. It would be absolute. Oh, he would have been. If hired he were white, he, he would hired. he would have been and had a guy like uh, uh, Mahomes. Oh, they would have been saying, "Oh my God, he's got to be." You know, he's the no, next. No, there's no question, and that's that's interesting too because the that 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 gets into the offensive defensive side of the ball, which was interesting. What I wrote about also is, you know, most my you know most black coaches come for for whatever reason come from the defensive side of the ball or. Mm are more likely to be defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators. In the last decade, which is uh, glo- the global sport came, um, came up with this stat, mm-hmm. in the That's last decade, 91% of offensive coordinator hires were white. Mm-hmm. Wow. 91%. Um, 40% uh, defensive, uh, defensive coordinators were black. So, it's, so mm. they do get the opportunity on the defensive end for whatever, whatever reason, but – Offensive coordinator and play calling and quarterback coaches, uh, black people aren't getting the opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And all, all of a sudden now, that's the pipeline that these teams are, are looking for. They want offensive-minded head coaches like last season. That was, that was all the rave, okay? Just so happens, no black candidates are in those positions. And right. you named one of them that is, Biennemi, right. and, he was, and he was with He's Pat Mahomes. They set all kind of records last year, and he doesn't get a job? Right. But see, but the reason he's not getting the job because is because of racism. Right. So I'm saying mm-hmm. it, we should just skip past that when we say, well, how? Co- well, you know how come? <laughs> you, know you, you know why? Right. So let's skip that. And how do we deal with that? And to me, it gets back to the, you know to these these brothers in this league. That where is your voice? Where is your voice? You know, where is your voice? Where is the Morris? I mean, because it, this could be you. You know, I mean, you work if you want to coach, but if you don't say anything collectively, you know. Um, so anyway. No, and one of the, one of the people I talked to um, for the article I wrote on on Flores was Rod Graves. Yes, um, he is at Arizona State, by the way. He is. Yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah. But he he's the he was the former uh, football at uh, former uh, senior uh, vice president of football operations with the Jets, and he was a former GM at the Arizona Cardinals, mm-hmm. and now. Um, 
What, what's the organization Fritz he works Pollard, for? Right? The Fritz Pollard, right? The Fritz Pollard. Fritz Pollard. Yeah. Uh, Fritz Pollard uh, organization now, which is which is trying to increase the diversity in the NFL in NFL coaching positions. Um, one of the things that was interesting in what he said to me in terms of uh, you know creating diversity in the NFL or really anywhere else, you know, basically, basically what you said, Bill. You know, we know it's racism. Interesting thing he said to me was, the only way you remedy the situation is if you is if you make a concerted effort to do it, to create diversity. It doesn't just happen. Right. It doesn't just, it's, it's not just like, but it has to be an, in, uh, an intentional act yep. on the part of the NFL in this case to make sure that you're hiring a diverse array of people, period. Right. You know, which, you know, because we, uh, we well, all... Well, uh, diverse, but, but that you're hiring black people. Well, yeah, you could well, have a diverse to create to make diversity. Right. You, well, you but you could have people. a diverse field and not have any black. Well, people. they don't even have that. Right. You know, they don't even have that. I mean, it's white men. You know, so it's not even like that's that's an issue. Even you know, executive vice president of football operations Troy Vincent says the same thing. Right. Mm. Like, so, but that was like I had never, I didn't, you know, I had never really thought about it like that. Like you, I mean. You know, people get mad. You know, when we're, we're calling for for black coaches to be hired, people try to scream, "Oh, you're, you're being a reverse racist." No, that's the only way that things are going to change if you make you a concerted to effort to field. change it. Absolutely, people. When you, whenever people say, "Oh, we're just looking for the best people," I always cringe a little because I'm like, "What does that mean?" Like, right. well, if you were, then there would be fifty percent. Right, it'd be more yeah. black people. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But you're right. What What are you trying to infer? Right. Yeah. And we said we need more black. Well, yeah, we we we're just trying to. Hire, well, what's the connection between those two statements? Right. You know. And you know, I'm I'm doing a story on you know college basketball story on the same thing. Um, Big East coaches, uh, you know, fifty percent of the Big East coaches are black. I talked to a couple coaches, and th- the funny thing enough is they that's what their go to line was. Um, oh, yeah. When you ask them about it, oh, we're just happy that this league hires the best people for the job. And it's assuming <laughs> that you have a pool, like you're you have the right pool. Right. It's like. Do you half the thing is? Do you have candidates to choose from? How, who is finding out about this position? Who knows about it? Right, mm. right. Well, uh, good stuff, man. You've been on a roll. <laughs> no, no, seriously, you've been on, you've been on a roll, man. People mm. need to be able to read that stuff and undefeat it. So now, when when is the uh, story on um, the uh, coaches coming out? The Big ne- East ne- next week. Now the Big East. You're right. Now mm. the Big East. Fifty what? Fifty percent of their what? What's their number? Yeah, fifty percent of the head coaches. Fifty percent of the head coaches in the Big East are black. Right. You know, I mean, you can do it, guys. You know, you can do. I mean, right. you know, you could do it. But again, see, I think the problem too is that coaching has become welfare for white coaches. I mean, that's kind of what it is. It's like welfare for them. So they get fired and they get picked up and they get fired. You know, mm-hmm. and again, it gets back to this old racism. We this self preservation. Right. We're hiring our guys. You know, you get fired. Come out, take care of you. And it starts early. It starts early, like, you know, in, in all sports, you have the, the classic story is, you know, you have the kid, I mean, you know, the white kid who doesn't get much playing time, uh, you know, in, let's say college basketball, for instance, you have a white kid who doesn't get much playing time, the coach pulls him over to the side, you know, here, sit next to me, I'm going to show you how this thing works. Yeah. You know, so he's groomed as a coach. Right. Because he knew he wasn't going to make it as a player. Right. You know, it doesn't really happen like that for, for black kids. Right. right. We, we, well, if, you, if you're not going to be a star, then you, cut. Uh, you, get, you get cut. You know, right. go back to, you know, just go back right. somewhere. Yeah, so, um, man. But, you know, again, as we wrap up this, you know, it, this is 2020. Right. So maybe now 2020, 
that's the metaphor for 2020 vision. You know, as, as black people, we can begin to kind of, not begin, I'm sure we've always seen, so, but, you know, more focus in 2020 about and a, and a bigger commitment to each other. And I know that's tough because mm. then you're saying, well, who's each other? You know, who's black? What's the black community now? Who, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that my mother's, I mean, you can just go <laughs> with all kinds of different right. ways, you know. Right. Um, so anyway, so do we have, uh, yes, Aaron. You're there you go. So, so I guess we'll end with resolutions. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> well, actually, can I throw something in there? Yes. So in a lot of black households, people eat collard greens mm-hmm. and black eyed peas for New Year's because collards are prosperity, uh, Black eyed peas are good luck. Do you guys do that? And do you believe in that? May I say, may I just cooked a whole thing uh, in my slow cooker of uh, black beans. Black beans, I had a recipe. And I, I cooked them uh, New Year's Eve. A big slow cooker thing of black, not collard greens now, but I did have black beans. I had well, ham, sorry. I had uh, <laughs> a lot of different ingredients in it. Right. I slow cooked them. In fact, when you were talking, Jamal, my mind was kind of drifting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I like to go I got to get home, eat some of these black, black, <laughs> black eyed peas. I love black eyed peas. So, yes, I had, I didn't have the greens part, but I did have mm. the black eyed peas. Yeah, I didn't have any this year. I mean, I, I eat that stuff. I, don't, I never knew the story behind it, but, I, you know. <laughs> did you? I so my mom we don't always sometimes we cook it but she'll just put uh, black eyed peas in a like saran wrap and mm. she'll just keep it in her purse because really? that's where the money goes. So that's just what I do. I don't even cook it. I just oh the, like the uncooked black uncooked black eyed peas. Oh, just keep them. Oh, yeah, you just put a little little baggie and put it in your purse for how long? Um, really, till the bag gets crazy, <laughs> and I just throw it away. But really, that's, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So I was like, silly me, I was eating them. <laughs> no, no, most, I think most people eat. I think you should eat them. I should, little did I know, I was supposed to put them in my. Where would I put them? Ooh, your backpack. Yeah, briefcase. Different. You know. Uh, oh, shout out to the uh, New York Taxi and Limousine Commission uh, because uh, on New Year's Eve, after coming back from Baltimore, all that I met with my nephew, who coached at uh, Salisbury. Uh, Salisbury uh, Prep School in Connecticut, and one of our fellow uh, Roden Fellows, Deja, met him at, at, in, in Harlem. Roden Fellow alum. Roden Fellow alum now. And we, you know, uh, we're supposed to uh, meet, you know, Aaron, you're supposed to meet Aaron, you know. Sorry. And, uh, but anyway, um, we left and went to Chocolat to Harlem Hops and all the other places, and uh, threw my backpack in the trunk with Deja's big red bag. And left and goes away. And then an hour later, I said, wait a minute. Where's my backpack? Well, it turns out I left it in the uh, in the taxi. Mm. So I'm thinking, just like that, needle in a haystack. Like New York City, <coughs> Christmas. You're never going to get it back. A Toomey bag with my laptop, keys. You know, one of the you leave something, and then every time you think, oh, man, and this. Oh, man, and this. <coughs> oh. But anyways, for some reason, I call like in the morning. I said, all right, I'll play along with this. So I'll, they give you, the, I registered, thanks to Deja. And, yep. you know, I registered. You know, she's an Army. I guess that's what the Army people do. They yes, get their ducks in a row. Yes. So that, they gave you a number to call. I got a confirmation in the email. You know. Oh, good. Confirmation, and here's the number. So I called the precinct at about 6 in the morning. And I called. I said, let me call again. Somebody answered the phone, hello. And then they okay, what's your name, blah, 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 blah. 
then they disappeared. My fingers got killed. Well, we don't see anything here. They would call this number. Well, we don't take stuff from green cabs, only yellow cabs. But then she said, but you know what? You know, you, you, who knows? Anything. So about uh, an hour later, just as I was thinking of what kind of new backpack was I going to get, <laughs> what new laptop was I going to buy, right. you know, I got a call. And he said, hey, this is so-and-so with the taxing, you know, this bill. I said, yeah. Said, well, what was the last four digits of your uh, credit card? Did you pay by credit card? Yes. And I gave it. Okay. Uh, she took it down. I said, okay. Now, uh, you, the, the medallion number was so-and-so and so-and-so. The car number was so-and-so and so-and-so. The name was, she gave me his name, and here's his cell number. She gave the cell number. Gave me the cell number. Then she said, just a minute, I'll call him. Hmm. She called him. She, and then the next voice I heard was his. Wow. Why? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Then yeah. I talked to him and said, yeah, you know, I saw the bag, and uh, I'm glad you caught because I knew it had to be important because blah, blah, blah. And I only looked at it like four hours later. So then he said, where are you? I gave my address. I'll be there in an hour. And it turns out that uh, he had had a death in the family, one of his uh, nieces hmm. or somebody who was like 30 years old. Mm. Anyway, but he came. He, he gave. So I'm looking at my bag now. So it's a New York store. And I must say, I must say, knock on wood. I've been I've been fortunate and blessed like that to get stuff back. Oh, Jesus definitely loves you. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus definitely loves you. <laughs> you got it back. <laughs> yeah, but that was like needle in a haystack. Because I had told, I said, I I never thought I'd see that bag. Again, so that was a good New York story. But you know, I mean, I think people in New York, generally, I think people here do have good hearts. I mean, it's just so much. There's yeah. so many people, right. but I mean, but there's so many people. There are a lot of good people. Yes. Right. There are a lot of good-hearted people here too. Yes. Yeah. You ask for help, people will help you. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's not as bad as the reputation. No. They no. just don't get in people's way. Don't well, get away making don't, their money or their way physically. And don't waste my time. I mean, I. I'll help you. Don't do some stupid shit. You know? <laughs> right, yeah, we, right. yeah, we don't have time for everything. But yeah. yeah. All right, guys. So, so uh, New Year's resolution. So we close out the show because I want to go get my black my black eyed peas. So, um, any resolution? Do I have a resolution? Uh, well, the typical: stay in shape. Not not stay. Get get in shape. You know, uh, do this. You know, try to get in shape some kind of way spiritually. Physically, emotionally, mentally, just be in the black. That's my whole thing. Let's get in the black. Let me be in the black. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. I don't say other, other, you know, all different. You know, be in the black. So that's my spiritual. I mean, that's my uh, resolution. I like that. Um, and you're already on the path. Hmm? You're already on the path. Well, yes, we need to widen the path and clear out, <laughs> clear out the. Oh, but anyway, go ahead, Erin. Um, I think this year I'd just like to uh, become a, a more efficient writer, faster, um, up my profile as a writer, a journalist, and my goal by the time I'm forty, I would like to run a sub three hour marathon. Mm. So right mm -hmm. now I'm at three thirty eight. So I'm just mm. trying. I don't think I'm going to hit under three this year, but I'm just trying to. Uh, what did you do in Amsterdam? Three thirty-eight, sixteen. So slowly but surely. Impressive, mm. impressive. Okay. I'm going to steal 
I'm gonna steal my resolutions from a friend of mine, Orlando Bishop. He he put this on Facebook, but I was like, yeah, I need to do all that too. But uh, work out three times a week. Mm. How about that? Nice. That's a lot. It is, but you know, I need it. Uh, fight for democracy in the midst of our nation's existential crisis. Mm. I definitely agree with that. Um, read more books, and I'm gonna add. I need to write more. Mm. You know, just 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 crank it out. Mm-hmm. I like all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, those are all good. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. Fight for democracy, and make uh, Bros Pod. Take Bros Pod. Oh yeah, take Bros Pod to another level. To Listeners, another you level. hear that? Huh? Yeah. Listeners. Listeners, you hear take that? Take us to another level. Take it to another level. <clears throat> well, I was listening. Well, anyway, so yeah. <laughs> so hey, listen, everybody. Happy New Year. You know, glad we're all here in 2020, and looking forward to being back here in 2021. And uh, you know, Aaron, Jamal, great 2020. Thank you guys. Fantastic. And to all of our loyal listeners, you know, thank you guys. And be even more loyal. Yeah. All right. God bless everybody. We'll see you soon. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.